to the Cup of Tea podcast. I'm Mike Ewan. And I'm Catherine Lilly. And we both work in the Teaching Excellence Academy at the University of Hull, where our roles are to develop, celebrate and promote HE level teaching. This podcast is designed to explore and share some of the fantastic teaching practices here at the university by showcasing work of some of our colleagues, what they do, how and why they do it, and what the impact has been. In this week's episode, we're joined by Kelly Doherty from the School of Education to talk about her approach to authentic and inclusive assessment. We're also lucky enough to be joined by one of Kelly's students, Jess, who was able to give us some great insight. So without further ado, pour yourself a cup of tea and enjoy the show. Yeah, well, let's uh, back on, if, if that's all right with you too. So yeah, first thing I suppose to say, thank you both for coming along. Um, and would you both very quickly just like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. So I'm Kelly Doherty, um, Senior Lecturer in Teacher Education and Registered Scientist with the Association of Science Education. I'm Jessie Gleisinger. Um, I'm a third year primary teaching student, so I'm waiting to graduate. Um, and I have specialised in science throughout my degree, which I've loved. So I'm waiting for a teaching job. And before we get into the meat of it, what we're going to do is start with all of our podcasts, hopefully. If we can stick with the uh, the theme, what's your go-to drink? So you sit down to work. What drink gets you through your work? What powers you through it? You a cup of tea, a coffee, <laughs> iced tea, a range of things. It it really depends. I I often change my go-to drink. At the moment, it's a peach iced tea, but I do like a hot cup of tea as well. Is it a winter winter summer thing or a yeah yeah? Drink, I think it's more of a winter summer thing. Mm. I do like the um. Toast and jam tea as well, the Yorkshire tea do. I'm a big fan of you tried the biscuit one. Yeah. 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 So that was my lockdown cheat when I was like, um, I tried to stop eating packets of biscuits every day, but I bought this this (laughs) tea just to try and give me the the feeling. (laughs) They're amazing, aren't they? Yeah, they're so good. What about you, Kelly? Yeah, I'm the same. I like a good cup of tea, no sugar, but if I decide I want something a bit sweeter, I do do a latte with a bit of caramel. Oh, a little fancy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's a treat. If I need a sugar <laughs> boost, yeah. And we've called it a cup of tea. And you're probably unfortunate because one of the things we talked about yesterday was in the future, when we get more established, we'll ask people in advance and then provide it for them as they arrive. But obviously with that. It's okay. Maybe we'll have you back in six months and we'll have like an array. It's so a bring your own at the moment. We'll have new yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so do you want to tell us a bit about the project and kind of how it came about? Um, the project comes about through a module that is taught in the primary teaching degree, which is called Stimulating Sustainability. And it's a module that is it changes annually, actually, which is why I love it. It's always very current. So it's looking at sustainable issues out there in the world and then bringing that into modules for students. I'm not really a lecturer as part of this module. They're year three students and I facilitate really their learning. So it's about guiding them through their interests, through what, whatever sustainable issue we're picking up in the world and seeing them flourish really with the skills and their knowledge in science. And actually at the start of the module, they always look terrified <laughs> when I introduce the concept. But then by the end of the module, they're holding their own, they've got their own ideas, they're presenting really confident 
confidently. So this year's project was based around thinking about sustainability, thinking about kind of sustainable design and saving energy. And Jess was particularly interested in kind of water, green water systems, among other things, um, and kind of ran with that idea. And it's contextualised really at the start through problem-based learning. Right. So the Royal Society of Chemistry has a problem-based learning scenario, which is around a fictitious university campus called Midsummer. The students are provided with a pack with lots of information in energy savings, and they make energy calculations, and they have to decide how to solve Midsummer universities and sustainable issues. Not the murders. <laughs> <Not yet. laughs> so that's how it starts, and then they design their own project. And was it for you, Jesse, was it like a completely different type of module? Yeah, it was, like Kelly said, that first lecture back, obviously it was after COVID and everything was a bit strange. Just just being on campus was strange. So then when Kelly was like, basically, you're doing your own thing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was terrified. I think because everything is so guided and then just to have a bit of freedom to kind of take it where you want it was a bit like, okay. This is scary. And like Kelly said, I I was trying to Google stuff, trying to see what kind of world issues there were at the moment. And I found a really random fact about toilets. And from there, I was like, green water systems, that's what we need. We need green water systems. And it just went from there. So I found out that it takes seven litres of water to flush a toilet, even the most modern, efficient toilets. Take seven litres of water. So that that's a fact that will stay with me for the rest yeah. of my life. <laughs> and that just went on to the whole project, really. Just ran through that. So are you yeah. looking at how you then teach these within the primary setting? Yeah, so I think through the module and through teaching myself how to sort of present it and how to tell people about it built those skills to actually go into a classroom and be aware of how to just make everyday practices something that children can pick up on like oh she's doing that because that's you know using less of this and we can do that and passing on those skills to children in the classroom yeah it's very much viewing it from from my perspective, I suppose, is giving the trainee teachers the tools to see that these everyday issues can be part of the teaching of the national curriculum in science. And actually, it's things that are tangible to children and tangible to their families. So if the children are taught by Jess and then go home and say, oh, we've been learning about this and can we put a water saver in our toilet system? it will then lead to bigger impacts in the future as those children go up and then educate their children. So it's this knock-on effect that sustainable development and education about sustainable issues has. And it starts very small, but then once the idea is embedded, and I'm sure, you know, Jessie would say that she can see now how those ideas can be turned into other projects within the schools that will, you know, further develop those ideas. It's really, it sounds really interesting about focusing on, on an idea like sustainability in it. And it's so important. And I've seen it because my daughter's come home and made us buy two rubbish pickers. So we go out quite regularly now and we go and she's obviously talking a lot about it in schools. And yeah, yeah. Like and it's that, that's what I spoke about in my project is the impact that that has. If you as a teacher show children that they can do these things, if you have got a class of 30 children and all of those go home and ask their parents to get rubbish pickers and go to the beach and do cleanups, that's suddenly 60 people, if not more, that you've influenced to make those choices to do something little, which in turn becomes a big, big impact. And the bigger picture, I mean, I suppose that's the small impact that teachers can have on their children and their families. 
but the bigger picture is it's part of the government agenda. So the net zero strategy and skilling for, for green skills, for greener jobs. So this idea of developing the next generation of those people that will go into these sustainable um, economies where they might be, I don't know, building the next wind turbines or or whatever it is. And that's important, but it's also part of that scope of how the curriculum will be developed in the future to include kind of climate education, sustainable education more explicitly than it is now. So, you know, the children and their teachers are kind of leading the way with those developments in the younger generation so that we can have these impacts in 20, 30 years that are so important to the world. Yeah, because that was a sort of difficulty at the moment because it's not in the curriculum. You don't have to teach children to be sustainable. So it's on educators to make that choice to adapt the curriculum where they can to include that and make that something they want to share. Before the module, I loved like me and Kelly spoke in lectures and stuff about you know reusable straws and all this and like it was a bit of an eco-warrior movie (laughs) but to actually do the module and then see how that can become more than just me was really nice to see really when it was first introduced this sort of you're in charge of your learning that that felt quite daunting how did it kind of play out did it did it turn out to be something really positive for your learning yeah definitely I think it's been massively positive from from when I finally figured out what I was going to do <laughs> I think the most daunting part was I mean when someone says you know you're making something more sustainable in terms of the university project and you're looking at all these numbers and all this money that this university paying for certain things and you think I have no idea how to do something with this um, and I think once I got the green water systems and this idea of collecting rainwater and using that which was inspired by the University of Hull car park the Uh green system on there so that collects rainwater and feeds itself and the plants collect carbon dioxide so that was like everything kind of stemmed from there and I was like actually you can collect rainwater and then you can use that in washing machines it's perfectly fine to use in washing machines rainwater in the toilets and suddenly the the whole water system just emerged from that so I suppose for you, Kelly, was it the first time you've done something like this? or I've been teaching this module for eight years, but what I would say is every year is different because kind of context for the module changes based on what's going on in the world. The students are very different, so they require different things. So as a facilitator rather than a lecturer, it's about knowing every individual in the group and knowing what they're capable of, where they might need support, modelling things if they need modelling. So... Jesse mentions, you know, the calculations. So we do carbon calculating and it's you can get a calculator off the internet and it shows you how to do it. But I walk them through that step. So you're giving them little bits of support as and when they need it to give them the confidence, then go off and do it themselves. So I'm very confident that all the students can do that by that stage in their learning. So it's more about saying, yes, I believe you, you can do this, rather than saying I'm going to give you the answers. And I think that's really important for Jessie who's going to go out in the world as a teacher to to work independently and to have confidence in her own ability. I have confidence in all the students' ability and it's about me being very open about that and reassuring them when they feel they can't do something and saying, well, you can, if I model this way, and then they're off. It only takes usually one demonstration and then they can go off and do it. But I try and hold back on that initially to, to enable them to use the skills they already have, because it, usually they do have the skills, but they don't implement them regularly enough to realise 
how useful they are. So it's about stepping back initially and allowing students to um, realise their own potential rather than having to teach them. So I do introduce myself at the start. <laughs> I am not your teacher now. I am, yes. I am And that's quite empowering, I think, for the students. Mm-hmm. It enables them to see that they are in charge of their own learning, that it's not necessarily being driven from me and it's giving them the authority to to go with it and I say there's no prescription for this model you know it's whatever whatever you present to me as your project I'll mark it I haven't got a predetermined rubric of what I'm expecting from you and I always get individual projects from individual students which makes my job exciting yeah. and that's why I love the module because it keeps it fresh I never know what I'm going to get something to <laughs> <that's quite nice. laughs> Is the assessment, so is it like a project report? So there's a presentation. Do you want to talk about the assessment? Yeah, I can do. So the presentation is all about the hypothetical university. Um, And you, it's kind of like a dragon's den thing, Mm -hmm. which is exciting and terrifying at the same time. (laughs) So the whole idea is for you to go off and research how the university can be more sustainable, what they can do. And from that, then you present this, idea to the panel who are the university explaining to them the costs and the impact that it's going to have on their campus and you're really trying to get them to buy into your idea it was really exciting actually as an assignment to do it like that because I didn't feel like I was getting assessed for including certain things or making sure I said this making sure I did that it was all just felt like I was like acting and it was something that I really enjoyed so I could just talk about it and through my presentation for the first time in three years I didn't feel like I had a script but I didn't feel like it was hugely necessary because I enjoyed it so much that I'd already spoken about it so much to my family and my friends my poor husband was sick of it (laughs) Um, It just became like my persona for that that time. And it was really fun to present that presentation. So from that, then we went on to a written report, which was to introduce a scheme of work into a school using the tricky curriculum that we currently have and trying to explain how you adapt these things to include it into a school, how you would assess the success of it and how you would make it not just a classroom assignment or anything like that, but an actual school ethos. And I love that. I absolutely love that. That's me to a T. Is that because you think you're applying it within setting that you know you're going to be yeah so yeah I think in terms of the assignments both of them were the dragon's den was just completely different and I didn't expect to be doing that at university at all and like you say the report was just that's what I want to do and I want to be able to show children how they can make more sustainable choices and actually even though they're little people they can make a huge difference and like you said they're the future generation of that green energy systems so yeah just all the assignments Loved them, which I never thought I'd say. (laughs) Sounds like from both of you that it's exciting, it's enjoyable, you face the subject up and you talked about it, so it it sounds quite liberating as well. Yeah. In terms of the curriculum and the assessment. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think even though it's been a module that I've taught for many years, I get really excited, a real fire in my belly at the start of every year because I'm I'm researching, I'm looking what's out there, what's happening in the world right now. So I already know that next year's module, which will have the same title, Stimulating Sustainability, will focus on um, climate education and sustainable education for development because the um, government, the Department for Education, proposed that 
a new national curriculum for science, which they're going to pilot in 2023. So it will get our next generation of teachers ready for what might become the new science curriculum, but also about how that might be embedded more explicitly, if you like, in, in a new curriculum. It will be looking at a proposed new curriculum in light of what's going on in the world. So looking at the net zero strategy that the government have proposed and how can we actually skill our young people to have skills in those economies? How can we help them to be good designers? So it might have more of a STEM focus in a skill sense because they're wanting our children to have you know, skills in science, maths, engineering, etc. So I think I get a big buzz from teaching a module and seeing the students' reaction to it and seeing how they grow and, and knowing that it's hard not to smile, but knowing that they're going out with this confidence into a profession, which is very challenging, knowing that they can lead with a project that they're passionate about and not necessarily, you know, leading from the very start black and white curriculum, which is really important. And it's legalistically we have to teach it, but you can be innovative even within those words and that teaching should be exciting mm. and and so therefore my job needs to be exciting and I need to show that passion to the students. I think like, one of the terms we use a lot is authentic assessment and this is like just such a prime example of it where you're showing students how the knowledge they're kind of acquired over a period of years well that can then be applied but in a setting which hopefully they then feel passionate about and really take forward and, and run with it. And, yeah. and the yeah. Dragon's Den idea, that idea, you know, we come kind of almost booted and suited and sit there like with a oh, summer university <laughs> ball. And they are pitching that, that kind of idea. But again, it's showing them that a black and white kind of assessment rubric can be assessed again it's not a tick list activity it can be assessed through a very creative way and again it's open it's learner autonomy so they bring to it what they feel will meet that criteria not what we're dictating will meet that criteria but that got jesse excited didn't it that's what made you excited because you were presenting something that you were passionate about that you were sure met the criteria because you've worked so hard to achieve that and we'd, we'd had supportive discussions where we need them but to be fair they really ran with this idea of learner autonomy and just checked in with me if they felt they needed it, but were confident enough by that stage to just go with it and realise that their ideas were just as good and just as valid as any others. Mm. You've mentioned stage a couple of times. Is this something that you would try with students at different levels or do you think it works best in the sort of final year? I do something... It's not exactly the same, but there's a year one module which is called Learn in the Outdoor Classroom where, again, it's around... and you know, Jesse took this many years ago, but that it has a slightly different focus. And it's about thinking about how you can take learning that you might have applied in the four walls of a classroom to other settings, which could be outside, but it could be in a museum or it could be in a, you know, a learning centre. It could be in a local organisation. And again, developing schemes of work where you really bring into life the curriculum through things that children are interested in and the topics in the science curriculum. So I think Problem-based learning applies at whatever level. You could you could run with it at whatever level at university, um, you know, whether it was even foundation right up to level seven mm-hmm. and beyond. So I think it, what it needs is the confidence of the facilitator, let's say, rather than lecturer. So the, the lecturer has to be confident in that pedagogy. But you also have to support the students to feel confident in their own abilities to be able to take that on at that stage and for some students you know when they enter higher education they'll be very very confident and for others they won't but it's just the skill of saying I know you can do 
this. It doesn't look the same for everybody. And I think that's really important with inclusive education. What Jessie felt really confident in doing, somebody else in the group might not have and chose a slightly different project because of that. So they can tailor it to their strengths and their, their kind of needs. But it's an inclusive process because it's not being dictated. So they can tailor it to their particular strengths. Yeah, building in that flexibility. Mm, yeah. yeah. That sounds great. Did you always do it as individual projects or was it ever thought about group? It depends on the number. So where bigger numbers choose that, we do do it as paired projects. Right. And there was that option this time. Was, Jessie yeah. did hers on her own. Um, so they have an option. That's quite nice. Yeah. I think when we, I think there was an odd number anyway. And we had sort of the first couple of lectures to discuss our ideas with people and to sort of see, you know, sort of match up almost with someone yeah. that was sharing the same and no one wanted to do toilets. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what, I've got this. I'm going to, yeah. this is the path I want to go down. So if there's an odd number, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting as well about, because obviously there's been a focus on sustainability within transforming programmes and the curriculum development in the university and, and how you could tailor this to try and get the students involved with, with that and the discussion yeah, around the uh, like a, a tricky problem about how do we build sustainability into what we're actually trying to do? I think we're doing it. I think sometimes we look for what sustainability is. And actually, I think a lot of it is here. And a lot of it is in people's minds. But it's it's not harnessed, if that's the right way of saying it, because people aren't confident about how to deliver that. Mm. And I think for me, it's a big piece of paper exercise. And that's almost what our first couple of weeks of the lecture is, is what's your idea? Write yeah. it down. Let's think about it. You know, what can we find in on the Internet? What research can we find? And then as they start researching, that develops the idea. So often, I mean, I look around the campus and I think, you know, how could we make that better? How could we put a piece of, I don't know, soundscape or how could we make this a relaxing area? that's your question yeah. and then what comes off from that a springboard of research and big piece of paper and pens you know writing yeah, down what yeah. the problem is what do we want to do yeah. all of that open questioning and drawing on your expertise because you've got knowledge of that and your expertise bringing in teams that have varied expertise is good but also seeing that i have got a skill here as an individual and so have you but you don't use it every day. So you don't realise that that has potential to really make a difference. So only when it's applied within that context, do you see the value of it? Mm. And we all have skills like that. We all have things that we are. I mean, you've been to an allotment today. Yeah. You know, who'd have thought, how did you enjoy that? What did you learn about the world? What did you pick up from what the children were saying? I mean, Jessie's going to be in that world. You know, children come out with things sometimes that are really <laughs> profound. Oh, yeah. things. What? You know, we're all parents. Where did you get that from? How did you know that? They're picking up the like little sponges all the time. And often I would say that the learning process is almost two ways. Because every time I watch a presentation or every time I read a report, I'm learning something too, because I haven't necessarily researched toilets, <laughs> but you learn something. Well, that, so it's yeah, it's a two-way process. So um what advice would you give to somebody that was looking to implement this in their own teaching? I would say you're probably going to be really nervous, but you've just got to go with it. And it is OK. When I ran this module for the first couple of years, 
I tweaked bits and thought, well, I won't quite do it the same as that in the future. It was a learning process for me. But actually, by doing that and doing that every year, it only gets better and better. And the, the confidence that I have now in something that I started eight years ago enables me to do things that are perhaps quite, somebody else might say I wouldn't say I do that. <laughs> But actually, you've got to see, for me, it's not about me necessarily. It's about the benefits that I see in the students. Mm-hmm. And that really carries you through. I think even students will reflect on that through their module evaluation questionnaires. And I, <laughs> I'm i astounded. You know, they love it. And that comes through on that. They they say at the start, actually, we were really nervous. But by the end, so they're really honest in their commentary. But you can take away from that that actually whatever nerves you have at the start is so worth doing it because you're enabling the students to be successful and autonomous and build their own learning pathway through a module that they can be passionate about in whatever aspect they want. Because again, although I might have had a broad sense of sustainability, the actual project that they chose was theirs. And they weren't given an option of you can choose from one of these five. They entirely created that on their own. Have you got any perspectives on that, any advice that you would give to other students or to any other academics that were thinking of bringing in problem-based learning? Um, I think in terms of the impact on me as a student, I think, like you say at the beginning, absolutely terrifying, but it became so exciting. And I think throughout the three years, this is a module that I'll remember. And it's a module that I've excelled in. And that's because I've enjoyed it so much. And it's given me the confidence that I can now go to teaching jobs and I can go to teaching interviews and I can say actually I can do that because I've done that yes it was in a hypothetical sense and yes it was in a written report but I know how to physically do that I know how to carry that in my practice and I think for students is freedom of it is scary but the freedom of it means you can find that one thing that mine was toilets weird um, <laughs> But you can find that one thing that really excites you and you want to talk about and you want to share it. And that's, you know, like the pitch. It didn't feel like I was being marked. I wanted to share all these ideas and all these problems that I'd found and I'd solved. And it was just exciting. And I think once you get that passion for it, you can just run with it. And it's not as terrifying as it seems. I'm sold. I want to come. I've also realised why neither of my daughters flushed the toilet. Uh, Definitely environmental friendly. So if people are interested, where can they find out more either about the approach or about the project? So, I mean, I would always say, you know, look around because there are lots of good problem-based scenarios out there. So the Royal Society of Chemistry is one that I use because I'm a scientist and I know of that. But actually you can find those, but equally you can create your own. So if you've got something that students are really interested in, This idea is setting up a real life context, a problem, and then thinking or planning how you're going to solve that problem in a methodical kind of way. So the steps, there are texts that will tell you what the kind of structure might be, but actually you can create your own structures when you know your your students and you're a little bit more confident. But the idea is having a problem that everyone might find an interest in. And Jesse and I have co-wrote an article that will be published in Primary Geography in the Autumn, which is a geographical association publication. So if people are interested, they can give that a read and I'll give them an overview of project as well. How did you find that Jessie getting involved with that? It was very unexpected but it was really exciting and again it's that confidence boost to you know what I did in that project and what we've 
continue to speak about and speak about here and speak about in that article is becoming something that I just thought was, I was just pitching to Dragon's Den. For this to come of it, it's just, it's huge. Well, we'll be sure to put a link to it when it, when it can become available and, and to various other pieces, yeah, around this area. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah, thank you very much for, for both coming along. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about it that we have, we've not asked you about and quizzed you about? I would just say if anybody um, well, that's listening to this would want, you know, a, a question or if they've got any, want any advice, I'm always happy to be contacted because I think sometimes just talking to somebody to alleviate those fears. Mm. But I would say if it gives you a fire in your belly like it has done me and the students, yeah. the impact on the students, it's so worth doing. So you've got to put your fears to one side, really, and just go forth and do. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so thank you both very much for coming along and uh, look forward to reading the article. Thank, thank you very much. much.